Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and happy Monday. Happy end of finals to Tommy. Happy finals week to me. And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hein. And I'm Thomas Welch. And we get a good episode for you guys. Uh, a lot of a lot of little news breaks over the weekend that we figured we could cover early on in this week. Um, first of which being the Panthers coming up with a new uh, interesting little goaltending department, as, they were, as they're calling it. We're going to get into that. Um, we're going to be talking about the Blues made a recent change in their front office, uh, hired a new assistant GM, assistant general manager, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. I know Tommy's excited about, so we're going to get into that. Um, and then we're going to have a little debate on who we think the Blues' biggest rival is, because I feel like that's a little up in the air as of late. Um, So I want to get your take on that uh, and definitely see. But before we get into anything, I just want to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, Tommy, how was your weekend before we kick this one off? Uh, it was it was a little hectic to be honest. Uh, yeah. I'm moving, still still almost done. I think I have one trip left between my apartment and my house that I'm moving into next semester. Um, but I'm in my house now. I uh, got the Wi-Fi situ- situation figured out, so that's nice. I uh, awesome. got my whole setup in my room, put up some Christmas lights with my roommates. There you uh, go. So, so that was a lot of fun, but yeah, it was just a whole process, really stressful. Um, but thankfully, my finals are over, so I can look forward to that and look forward to going home, see the family. I am and, jealous uh, And celebrating Christmas, yeah. I know you're struggling right now. <laughs> projects after projects after projects. Oh, God. I don't even know. I don't even know. That's all right. I got one more week left. Speaking of projects. Speaking of projects, uh, the, the Florida Panthers are are going uh, opening up a new project in their goaltending department. Um, had a, Sergei Bobrovsky came on in a mega contract and had an absolute god-awful year. So they said, they said, hey, they said, hey, let's create a new department that no team in the league has and hire three guys. It was Roberto Luongo, who and who. I don't remember the other two. I don't remember the other two either. But it was like three guys who've been around the game, sort of a different different approach. Three guys that are just there to, uh, I guess, as you said before the pod, you put it well, you put it nicely. Be a voice in Sergey Bobrovsky's head and their goaltenders' heads. Well, it almost feels like one of those like panels that like uh, Steve Carell set up in the office, right? Just like super specific to like one need, but it kind of worked for him, and I feel like it might work for the Panthers as well. Um, just because you have guys uh, that are coming in that have been close to the game, especially in Luongo. Right. Like, when did any of Michael Scott's plans ever work well? If you're basing your argument off of, I mean, in a roundabout in a roundabout way, they worked well. Like the party planning committee usually got pretty banging parties. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but there was there was some there was talks toxicity in the party planning committee. Yeah, Angela but that's I mean Taylor. you're gonna have that in any situation. Is there gonna be toxicity between these coaches? Maybe. But Maybe they still get the job done. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. And then they would start another party plan. What was the other one called that Pam started? The oh, the party 
I don't planning. remember. I, I, I don't know. I haven't watched All it in a minute. Is it's dangerous. It's, it, you can't anymore. You can't, it's not on Netflix. Oh, they already took it off? I don't know. It might be in two I, weeks. I think, I think it's coming soon, but oh, that's going to be a sad day. But yeah, like a guy like Roberto Luongo um, coming in um, and being that voice in these guys' heads because like – I feel like goaltending is so, uh, like it changes so drastically, especially like from year to year and especially like with these young guys coming up. Um, obviously, everyone's still using like the butterfly, but I feel like there's different techniques that are being taught now as opposed to like 10, even maybe five years ago. Um, so guys coming in that kind of know more of those techniques that are being used now uh, as opposed to a guy, not to say he's a bad goalie coach by any means, but like when Marty Brodeur was a coach, um Maybe his styles might have been more outdated. I don't know. I'm not saying he didn't, bro. I'm just saying he's not a goalie coach anymore. And all I'm all I'm all I'm saying is Jake Allen's career. What you all, all I'm saying is goalie goalies change rapidly, and goaltending as yeah, a whole changes yeah. rapidly. So having <laughs> was it four guys that have all like focused on one topic and. Essentially, I mean, not one person, but the whole like squad of them together focusing yeah. on these dudes, I feel like it's a good plan for them. All right. I mean, I see where you're coming from. I, I think in, in essence, like the, the idea behind it is good. I think creating a goaltending department is good, especially after a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky is such a disappointment. The one thing that worries me, and this is only in the hypothetical that we said, where it's just they're there to be voices inside Sergei Bobrovsky's head, is the is the good old expression: "Too many, too many chefs can can uh, soil the, the pot, or whatever it's called, uh, or whatever, something like that, <laughs> or whatever soup. it's called, yeah, it's soup, right? Know. Something about soup, yeah, some soup. kind of soup, I don't stone know. soup, I don't know." <laughs> My point being, it just made the, the goaltending goal is is so heavily based in the mental game, um, and obviously it takes obviously it takes That's a lot true. of skill, it takes a lot of flexibility, mobility, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of it is mental, a lot of it is just muscle memory, um, and I think we saw, like I referenced earlier. Mark Tembroder kind of single-handedly saving Jake Allen's season and potentially his career. He was playing some of the worst hockey we've ever seen. And then Mark Tembroder gives him a couple, uh, takes him under his wing for a few weeks, gives him a few little pointers, and he's back on track. My worry is these four guys might come in and all have kind of their own opinion on which way to kind of pull Bobrovsky and each try to kind of do their own thing. And now you have this disjointed goaltending strategy, which is... 25% Roberto Luongo, 25% the other guy, 25% the other guy. And like, while it might work initially, I just feel like it might be too much to remember. Like, you know, when you're when you're standing over the golf ball and all of a sudden you start thinking about all the swing tips and you, you can't do them all at once. You can't make all those changes at once. And it's got to be it's got to be subtle, especially when I feel like goaltending is, is any significant change will really throw a goalie off just in their style. So I, I just worry that they might try to overanalyze, overmanage the goaltending situation there in Florida just because it was so bad last year they might think oh shit we really got to fix this right away and just try to make too many changes and maybe even make it worse I don't know that's just a pessimist in me I would love to see it work out because yeah that's fair it's definitely gonna be interesting they could really use a good goalie too but I think um it is going to be interesting to see and I feel like too like the rest of the NHL definitely has to be like looking at their situation especially like you said, with Bobrovsky last season, signing him to essentially a mega deal and um, 
not being stuck with him forever because I think he's a goalie that's capable of being of being better than he was and being more. Um, but if if he's going to play like that every season, then you got to do something drastic. And I think this is their reaction and they're doing something drastic to try and help the situation. So in that essence, I think we're both on the same page that it's a good idea. Like you got to change something up and do something here because you can't really afford to have a season like that again. Um, I mean, yeah, I just like, cause he, we know what he's capable of. We, we've seen what he was in Columbus, like often regarded as the best goalie in the league. Obviously he had his struggles in the playoffs, but he just looked completely off the entire season. I don't know if it was like the defensive scheme of the Panthers, just more high danger shots that he wasn't used to. I don't know if it was a mental thing. I, Maybe the the Blue Jackets defense was really 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 good and was over or kind of over inflating his his value. I I don't know what it was, but it's so unheard of to see a guy of what we thought was you know superstar caliber to have that bad of the season. Like it wasn't like oh Carey Price, especially because he's had like such a consistent resume. I feel like like he hasn't really had right. a season before that where it was like oh like here's a red flag, you know. Right. And like people get people get on Carey Price because he has a down season and like, yeah, sure, he hasn't repeated his heart season where he had like a point nine four goals allowed average and a nine thirty save percentage. But like a down year for Carey Price is like a low nine hundreds and still dominant when there's no defense in front of him. So mm-hmm. Bobrovsky didn't just have a down year by goalie standards. He was maybe the worst goaltender in the NHL statistically. And that's just so it's so extreme that it just makes me nervous that they're going in and trying to tinker even more. Like who who knows what the result's gonna be. Okay, okay. So let me let me ask you this, Josh. If you were the Florida Panthers going into this offseason and seeing that goalie situation unfold, what what do you do? Do you just stay pat? Do you change like just the goalie coach and just leave it at one person or like what's your what's your course of action? That's a good question, Tommy, and I'm going to answer it. But you know what I'm going to do first? What's that? I'm going to tell you about Bill Bar. Oh, my God. I've been looking now, forward to this. You know it. You know it. Lay it now, on I'm me. Not, I'm not just doing this to stall because I don't know the answer. But <laughs> Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Bill Bar, it's even delicious, sir. You got 18 amazing flavors. You got the 12 classics that we've been telling you about for a while. But there are six brand new ones, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, Lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those are they're all delicious. They're all brand new. Um, they're all built bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew, and they're healthy. That's the best part. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for someone on a diet. Uh, my personal favorite flavor is the peanut butter. Uh, I got a I got a soft spot for anything with peanut butter. Uh, if you're having that one, you're getting 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com, and we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right. Here's my thinking on that question. I've thought about it. I, I think I have an answer that's a bit of a cop-out and that isn't going to make you very happy. Okay. <laughs> so, like I said earlier, there was such a drastic drop-off in Sergei Bobrovsky's play in Columbus versus his first season in Florida. Um, 
It didn't really look like he was mechanically all that different. So I assume it's something to do with either the team style or mental or a little combination of both. So if I am um, in the Florida Panthers organization, I go to Sergei Bobrovsky. I say, hey, what was different? Why weren't you comfortable? What what made you more uncomfortable and more tense in this crease versus the Columbus crease. And if he just says, I haven't adjusted to the, 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 the lifestyle here, you get him a mentor to kind of show him, get him invited. If he, if he says, yeah, no, my, my mechanics are completely off. Boom. Bring in four goalie coaches. Maybe that's what happened. I just think it's something that, especially with a player of his caliber needs to really be handled on an individual basis. Unless it's something like, yeah, the defensive scheme wasn't good for me. I couldn't make saves with it. Then that's a big overhaul that you need to make. But I, I think only Sergei Burofsky kind of knows why he played so poorly and the organization hopefully worked as a result of that knowledge. So maybe, like I said, maybe he requested some sort of coaching and that's why they brought in the department. But it, it's so obscure just like his drop off in performance that, that you got to really just get to the get to the core of it i think that just starts with calling Bobrovsky into your office and saying what what the heck man yeah and i think a lot of it's like because a lot of times it looks like on the surface i don't think this was the case in Bobrovsky, but like a lot of times with some other goalies like it looked like if you just use the eye test it looks like they're like playing fine but like the high volume of shots or like high quality chances that they're not used to like you were talking about um might be the difference maker in like why they're struggling. And I think to kind of like delve into that, you really have to get into analytics. And speaking of analytics, Ooh, you read my mind. <laughs> speaking my of mind. analytics, um, the blues head of the analytic department, which is <laughs> the only member of the analytic department, uh, just got promoted the to assistant GM um, and Ryan Miller. And it's not the goalie not Ryan, Miller. Ryan Miller. Yeah, not goalie That's Ryan Miller. That's what I thought too. Thirty-six-year-old Ryan Miller. He's been in the organization for like ten years now. So isn't goalie Ryan Miller also thirty-six years old? He might be. I don't know. I'm bad with ages. Uh, oh my god, goalie Ryan Miller's forty. <laughs> so how do you? Okay, so yeah, what's your what's your first takes away takeaways from this one? Okay, Ryan so Miller. I really enjoy the hiring of not goalie Ryan Miller as yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, and like you said, the fact that he was the analytics department, I think, speaks volumes of what he's capable of, especially nowadays with, you know, you look at some organizations have gigantic analytics department studying all the fancy stats and, you know, stuff that I don't even understand. And I literally spend all day reading hockey statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, And you look at the fact that such an emerging department was kind of not only headed, but entirely embodied by one dude you got to think he's capable of, of some really good work and i think i know you referenced in the article that it kind of was quoted he was quoted as doing three three people's jobs all at once mm-hmm. yeah and uh so it was an article from the athletic i believe craig kustens uh wrote it and it had it was the top 40 like front office personalities in the nhl under 40 years old uh ryan miller was number 27 on that list and um, the quote was, he's basically doing the job of three people, said one yeah. NHL source. He does all of Doug Armstrong's dirty work for him. So if you yeah, have to think, so- if you got to think like there's an heir to the throne, potentially if Doug Armstrong ever moves on from this organization, which it doesn't feel like he will because he's kind of woven himself into the fabric, especially with the Stanley Cup and how um, productive he's been here. But I feel like this is his right-hand man, like, 
kind of heir to the throne kind of situation. Yeah, and I think you could kind of argue that the entire ownership management group is, like you said, woven into the fabric. I mean, you look back at how the Ryan O'Reilly trade happened, and that was Tom Stillman reaching into his own pocket, paying that bonus, um, you know, kind of working in tandem with uh, Doug Armstrong. And they're, you know, they're on the same page. They're saying, hey, let's go get this Ryan O'Reilly guy. Uh, we're going to have to spend some extra money. And you look at, you got a guy like Eugene Melnick, who I don't think has watched a Senators game ever in his <laughs> life and just looks at the, just looks at the balance sheet at the end of every week. And as long as it's green, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really nice to know that from the top down, you have people that really care about creating a winning environment, regardless of, you know, some what some other ownership slash management groups might care about that doesn't not immediately impact hockey. It really feels like deep down, they just want to win. Starting with Tom Stillman going to um, Doug Armstrong and and you know Bill Armstrong, a tremendous scout that we unfortunately lost this offseason. And now you see an assistant GM being made out of a guy that seems to be, like you said, the right hand man of the general manager, like the, the the best buddy almost in the working environment. So it really seems like they're forming a solid group at the top of the management pyramid that of the St. Louis Blues that's going to be there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So kind of kind of going off of that topic and going off the topic of the head of the analytic department, um, just in terms of analytics, Josh, do you think? analytics are more important or like the eye test and just like scouting a prospect or a potential prospect on your own do you think one or is one above the other and do you think like because pierre mcguire went on spit and chicklets and said analytics don't matter and i feel like this i mean honestly this could bode well for vince dunn too because i know his analytics look really good here's my take on analytics real quick real quick before we head into the last break of the show here's my take on analytics analytics are a very useful measurement of player skill when used in tandem with something like the eye test you can't just show me a chart that says oh my goodness Zemgis Gergensen's is the best player in the NHL at zone entries when his left skate is two inches before his right <laughs> skate. And I'm going to be like, holy shit, Zemgis Gergensen's is the, the best center. Of the-. Right. I, it's not <laughs> enough on its own, but if you're trying to say like, is Jaden Schwartz better than Jeff Skinner? And I'm like, well, I don't know. They're kind of similar in production. And then you show me one chart where Jaden Schwartz is <laughs> – you know, through the moon showing like the advanced stats that you don't necessarily care about. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. That's why there was sort of that inkling feeling. Yeah, no, Jaden Schwartz is a better player, right? You can't really put a finger on it with eye tester stats. There's an advanced stat for that. There's analytics for that. But like I said, a lot of people try to just say like, Oh, this player is so much more valuable because this random stat is really, really high for them. It's like, well, maybe they are really good at deflecting pucks in their own zone, but they suck at everything else. Mm -hmm. So I think eye test is always going to be the most important, but analytics are a very, very good way to sort of separate the finer details. That's yeah. my take on it. I, I would have to agree too. Like you, I I feel like uh, analytics and the eye test is kind of like Hall and Oates. Like you can't really have one without the other because um, they like. Not, I don't know if they depend on each other, but they like support each other, right? So if you have like a thesis statement and your eyes are telling you one thing and the analytics are telling you the same thing, then you can be like, okay, I can confirm this because it's, it's like scientific method almost, you know, it's like hypothesis and then you do an experiment and then you have like your conclusion evidence afterwards. It's kind of the same thing and you can't, you can't just rely on one part of the equation to tell you the entire story because I don't think that's fair in either mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. So 
Agreed. Going on going on a podcast and saying none of that matters, I think is is kind of tone deaf, but that's just my take yeah, on it's, it. It's it's a little ignorant to change. But tell you what, you were talking about uh leaning on one another, supporting one another, and you know who doesn't do that is a rivalry. It's a good classic rivalry. So Tommy, I'm gonna ask you who do you think the blues biggest rival is right now? And I want to hear your answer when we come back, because we'll be right back with the end of today's episode. Okay, Tommy. Blue's biggest rival right now, December 14th, 2020. Give it to me. I feel like it's such a loaded question. That's why I wanted to talk about it today. So I, I have to no, you I'm have to almost, you have to almost like break it down, right? Because in, in, when you talk about a rivalry, especially with a team like the St. Louis Blues, you have to talk about history, right? Absolutely. So in terms of history and like historical rivalry rivalries, you have to have like one and two be Chicago Blackhawks and the Detroit Red Wings, just because of everything, of all the hell that their fans put us through, of all the hell that their teams put us through, specifically in the playoffs, you cannot mention a rivalry without with the St. Louis Blues without mentioning those teams. Now, in terms of rivalries at this mm-hmm. moment, I think number one, I mean, you kind of have to look at Colorado, especially with Red how they're night. structured for the next like five years, and having Bowen Byram and all of these guys in their ranks while they're also like making it further in the bubble and the playoffs and producing at a higher rate than the blues are. Yeah. They might not still have a goalie. That's like could lead them potentially to a Stanley cup victory. But I like, I think they're a goalie away from being a Stanley cup favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of that, I think as of right now, I would put them at number one, just from a competitive standpoint. I agree. I agree. And, and here's why. When I think of when I think of rivalry, it has to start at some point. There has to be a moment. It's gotta be tense. Right. And right? there's gotta be a moment. I don't go into a Chicago Blackhawks game right now mm-hmm. being like, oh, I don't know what it's gonna be tight the right. whole no. way. Like we're probably gonna wipe right. the floor because no. they're rebuilding. And, and there's gotta be a moment where you realize, oh, I kinda hate playing this team. Oh, that makes me mad. And Tommy, I wanna take you back way, way back to a couple of seasons. To last ago. season. Mm-hmm. Well, last season they had our number no, two. No, 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 Tommy. I'm gonna take you back to a couple of seasons ago. Oh, I know. A couple weeks out. A couple weeks out from the end of the season, we looked and we said, "Huh, oh. huh St. Louis Blues and Colorado Avalanche are awfully close in the standings. If 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 it works out magically, and wait, and they play the last game of the season. Huh, interesting. Sure enough, as the games the games go by, the points add up. Blues Avalanche. I think the the Blues were up by one point or something like that, or they were tied. I don't know. It, it, they played on the last day of the season. Winner makes the playoffs. Loser doesn't. And the Blues were down, I think, two, and had a. There was a controversial mm, call on mm, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I think there was, there was a, and then that's when the wheels the, fell off. The Blues were down one. We're down one nothing, I believe. Avalanche went and scored a goal. That was definitely offsides. That was ruled onsides, and the wheels came off the bus, and they won like four to one or something like that. And Nathan McKinnon scored yeah. a lot of goals, and that's when I went, "Fuck the Colorado Avalanche." <laughs> that's when I went, "Shit!" And then also, I looked the, up. I gotta bring in the Stan Kroenke yeah, factor too. After that game, I looked up Nathan McKinnon' age, and he was like sixteen, and I was like, "Shit!" 
<laughs> He's going to be around for a long time. It's not great. And then they locked him up on like a yeah. team-friendly so to deal. Me, that was that's cool. the start. Oh, I didn't know it was going to become a rivalry at that point. But then every time we've played them since then, I got this just this this anger kind of building. I think the, the, the in, in my gut, in my belly, and it moves up through. And I just want to yell. It's like, oh, my God, just beat them. Stop Nathan McKinnon. Just chop his legs off. He's too fast. And that's what a good rivalry And does. getting 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 the Calder Trophy winner in Kale McCarr is an LB there. But it's like, a dude, uh, they're just stacked from top to bottom. But it's like... I'm at the point right now to where we haven't had that, like, really that playoff history or that, like... It'll come. Uh, I, besides, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. It'll come eventually. But we we haven't had that yet, so there's not as much, like, animosity. Like, losing on the last game of the season sucked and not making the playoffs sucked. Um, but we did all right after that and won a Stanley Cup, so in that turn, it's okay. But I think playoff intensity levels are a whole nother level, and like a whole seven-game series against those guys would be an absolute bloodbath. So I need to see that happen at some point because I think that's when the rivalry will be instilled. But right now, dude, like I can't even deny, like just as a hockey fan, watching Colorado Avalanche play hockey is entertaining as hell because they are so fast and they just they move with the quickness and everything that they do and every. In the defensive zone, in the neutral zone, in the offensive zone, they're loaded. Very. So I think until very that rivalry cool. kind of like bears its teeth, I guess, in the playoffs, I'm still going to kind of enjoy watching them play when it's not against us. Yep. They're a very scary team. I think prime candidates to be rivals with us. I think the only other team that really comes to mind is Vegas, and that's just because the NHL is pushing it and Petrangelo's there, and they do play a similar style to us. And I think it really will just depend on like – who we face in the playoffs three out of the next four years or whatever. Um, could be interesting this year with the new divisions, especially if we end up playing a team like Vegas like six times. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited. Um, but I think that's all we got time for today, Tommy. You got anything else to add before we wrap this one up? That's all I got. Sweet. All right. Well, definitely uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Locked On Blues. Um, if you want to see, like I always say, if you want to see uh, the scope of the entire NHL and not just the Blues, check out the Locked On NHL podcast. They cover everything that we didn't get to and a lot more over there. They got a great show, so definitely check them out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. You can follow Tommy at T Welcher15. And as always, thanks so much for listening and let's go Blues.